This is Taylor Stuper. And this is Sean Smithgall. We are both clinical pharmacists and faculty members at Auburn University Harrison School of Pharmacy. And we are your hosts for the Postgraduate Pharmacist. We focus on all topics related to postgraduate training and preparation for prospective candidates. From current events and news to staples in the preparation process, we bring regular content, so don't forget to like or subscribe to our channel to get our newest content. We're glad you could join us today to talk about virtual interviewing. Obviously, virtual interviews are going to be very prevalent this residency interview season. We've been getting a lot of questions and an influx of questions about how to approach virtual interviewing and thought it would be great information to share. Whether you have had some interviews already or you're preparing for your first one, we wanted to provide some general advice, stories, and tips to help you be successful. I'd like to start with a logistical question since it's something students have often been asking us. If I have multiple links to call into different interviews or rooms and I get done early with one interview, should I go ahead and call into the next one? So, Sean, the short answer is going to be no, and here's why. So oftentimes there's going to be simultaneous interviews going on at the same time. So if you try to call in 15 minutes early to another room, they might still be interviewing another candidate. So in general, it's best to wait until the time of the interview to call in, maybe one or two minutes before. There are some features of different programs and different programs might be using Zoom breakout rooms, that feature or something similar to prevent this type of issue from occurring. Now, if it's the first meeting of the day, I think it should be okay to call in maybe five minutes or less before the, that time period. So ultimately with this, your goal is, should be to be punctual and still respect other candidates' time. So Sean, I have a question for you. How do your mannerisms impact how you're perceived based on the type of virtual interview, be it phone or video? The less context clues the interviewer has to focus on, the more hyper-focused they become on what they see or hear. So an example of this would be vocal transitioning tics. Words like, um, like, so, or just repeating the same word over and over again until you continue on. These vocal tics are more obvious during a phone call than an in-person interview. Talking with your hands is also amplified during video calls. Ways to avoid these tics is to practice your interviewing skills. The less prepared you are, the more you'll need to focus on what you are saying and the easier it is for your tics to surface. So if you're like me and have prominent tics, it's required to take a portion of your focus to suppress the tic or essentially telling yourself things like, don't wave your hands, don't wave your hands around as as you're focusing on answering the question. Vocal tics surface most often to fill pauses in speech because your brain feels you have to be continuously making noise. It's better to have a brief pause or silence as it makes you sound more calm and collected and less distracting. On a similar note, put thought into your background. There are simple things you can do to improve your natural background. Choose a quiet space void of any background noise, people, or pets. We all love our cats, but having a cat jump on your lap can derail a good interview. And looking at things in the room makes you appear easily distracted because the interviewer doesn't know what you're looking at. They just think they're not looking at me. 
add color to the background, hang some pictures or a pattern blanket on the bare wall, consider moving like a bookshelf or potted plant or anything else to make it look more aesthetically pleasing uh, to have behind you. Avoid sitting on your bed, couch, or other piece of furniture, despite how comfortable it is. Fill the room with natural or artificial light, which will brighten your appearance. Yeah, so I can definitely see how it would be tempting to just sit on the couch for your interviews, but those are very good tips that you gave us, Sean. So I have another question. Should the interviewee just stare at the camera the entire time so they appear to be looking the person in the eyes, or is it okay to look at your screen? What advice would you give? I struggle with this a lot, too. I, I have a natural tendency to look at myself on these video calls or my own picture and not really focus on the other person or, or where my eyes should actually be, which is on, on the camera. Uh, so you should as much as possible make it appear as if you're looking at the interviewer without just simply staring into the camera itself because that can look unnatural. So it's also natural to take notes during interviews. So you will be breaking eye contact in order to do that. And I would suggest doing written versus typed notes because with typing, you have that constant clicking sound that could be picking up on your mic. Ways to improve eye contact include putting the interviewer's screen on the monitor up towards the camera as far as possible. That way you minimize the amount of distance between your camera, where your eyes are going to be, hopefully, and the actual image of the interviewer that you're looking at. Have the camera at eye level. So if you're using a laptop, use books or other things to prop your laptop up so it's at eye level. It's unflattering and it just doesn't look as professional to have the camera down looking up at you so you're kind of having like stare down at it which can happen too if you're on like your better couch like we were saying earlier you have a tendency to look down if you have a poor webcam or an integrated webcam and it just isn't the best one uh, it may be worthwhile to invest in a US usb webcam so you can get a decent one around 20 dollars online upwards to about 100 dollars. ensure you have a solid connection consider like an ethernet connectivity if your device has it or if available, call in your audio on your phone using a decent pair of headphones because that can give you a clear, uninterrupted mic and prevent any drops or delays. A pair of headphones that are inconspicuous, I think are very appropriate for interviews. They can lower background noise both for you and the interviewer allowing you to focus better. All right, well, that brings us to the point of the show. We're going to take a quick break uh, for postgraduate pharmacist trivia. So, Sean, I have a question for you. In the spirit of the upcoming conference championships in the NFL, Tom Brady, being 43 years old, is appearing in, a, in yet another conference championship. Who did Tom Brady and the New England Patriots defeat to win their first Super Bowl? Gosh, I don't know. I knew you'd ask a sports question. I might actually know this. I Was it the Bills? No, it is not the Bills. So... It's actually the St. Louis Rams and led by Kurt Warner and the greatest show on turf who were the heavy favorites in that game. Um, it was only Tom Brady's second season and it, and it was uh, obviously a prelude to many more to come, but they defeated the St. Louis Rams in Super Bowl 36, 20 to 17. So that oh, gosh. off his career with a bang. I'm still I'm still sore about the Los Angeles Rams beating the Seahawks. So it's a it's a tough subject. All right, Taylor, my question for you uh, is when was Netflix founded? And I'll give you I'll give you some multiple choice here. So was it 1997, 2001, 2009 or 2015? 
So many of our listeners might not remember Netflix when it first appeared. The first memories I have of Netflix are getting DVDs mailed to us that we rented and could watch and then would send back. And I have a gut feeling that was somewhere around 97. Is that the correct answer? That is the correct answer. Golly, I didn't think you'd get that. I thought you'd pick sooner. Yes, it is. Netflix has 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 gone undergone many transformations since then to this streaming giant that it is today. Yeah, I was only nine years old. I don't even remember it being around, though. My parents probably knew about it, and I just we didn't get the DVDs. Nineteen ninety seven. Yeah, I think they discontinued the stream the the DVDs pretty recently, didn't they? Yeah, I don't think they do that anymore. But. My dad was a subscriber back then, and he's still a subscriber now, so he's been a lifelong customer. <laughs> All right, back to the topic of virtual interviews. So, Taylor, I'm going to ask you the first question here. Should we answer questions any differently in virtual interviews compared to in-person interviews? And if yes, how so? Well, I think that question depends. So for the most part, no, but in, in some aspects, yes. So let me explain that a little bit. When you're answering questions, make sure that you're continuing to pause as you would normally when they interview or ask a question. But in virtual interviewing, take the time to pause even a little bit further due to technology delays. So it's okay to have a, a few seconds of silence before you start answering. The other thing is if you don't know your answer, or don't have an example, it's okay to take some time to think about it as you would before and think about it before you deliver your response. If you do get a clinical question and you don't know the answer, please do not make up the answer. They can definitely tell and it puts you in an uncomfortable situation. If you're unsure of, of what the answer is, just demonstrate how you would look up the answer. Still, for, for the situational questions, use the STAR method, which stands for situation, task, action, and response to explain how you would approach a given situation. This is a method that's most commonly used, and you can research that online a little bit further. Also, when you're interviewing and answering those questions, obviously you want to make sure that you're interjecting some personality since you're not face-to-face. So try to, as much as you can without being too flamboyant or having too much use of hands or other things, make sure you can interject some personality in your answers and convey confidence at the same time. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the STAR method too, because our students have had very positive experience practicing situational type questions with the STAR method. I have another question for you. So what happens if there are technology issues the day of your interview? What's your advice? So Sean, this is obviously probably the one thing that everybody's greatest fear is when they head into virtual interviews, that their technology is just going to completely shut down and stop working. And I'd like to kind of share a personal story of mine, of one of my interview disaster experiences, just to kind of ease everyone's minds and let them know that it's going to be okay. So back when I was interviewing for my first job out of residency, which was early 2016, I was living in Indianapolis and was scheduled to fly to Huntsville, Alabama to begin a two-day long interview process with Auburn University. And as fate would have it, started icing and snowing that morning. My flight was significantly delayed. And by the time I had landed in Charlotte, 
I had missed my connecting flight. So I had to spend hours on the phone and in line to rearrange flights for the next morning. And ultimately I had to spend the night there and didn't get a lot of sleep. So when I did finally make it the following afternoon, I was about five hours later than I was originally scheduled to start interviewing. And when I got there, I had to immediately, without interviewing with anyone or meeting anybody, had to start giving a presentation. So a lot of unknowns and uh, things I had not expected. Now, what's the point of that entire story and what does it have to do with virtual interviewing? Well, in retrospect, my experience might have gone a little bit smoother if it was a virtual interview, but... More importantly, when all of these things were happening and I knew I was not going to make my connecting flight and knew it was going to throw off the interview schedule, I didn't panic. And sometimes there are things that are going to happen that are beyond our control and we just have to roll with the punches. So if your internet goes down or you have some other technology issue or disaster, it's not the end of the world. And certainly programs are going to understand and it might be their internet connection that goes down realize that they're going to understand that so here's what i would do here's kind of some you know three main points i would consider if that situation does occur so one as i had already mentioned do not panic if you panic you could make the situation worse and when the technology does start working again or you find a solution I don't think you'll interview as well just because it's on the back of your mind. Number two, communication is key. So we all have phones that we can send emails from or you can make a quick phone call. If this were to happen, make sure you have a means of reaching someone at the program you're interviewing. When I was going through this situation, I had mentioned I would frequently provide email updates to let them know know, what's going on, when my flights were, the challenges that I I was facing and kept open lines of communication, regularly updated them. I think a phone call would be a good way to reach a program in this type of situation. And number three, just be willing to be flexible and adapt. I had to immediately land for my interview, go from the airport and start my presentation before I could even catch my breath when I got there. Similarly, maybe you'll have to end up completing the interview on another date. You might have to complete everything by phone or different means of technology, and that's okay. I think the more you show them that you aren't going to panic and that you can be flexible, it actually bodes well for you in the eyes of their program because you can handle a lot of adversity and difficult situations during residency training. So in summary, I know I've gone on for a long time about this, but I think it's important. If a technology disaster strikes, it's not the end of the world. In the situation I described above, I still got the job, and I think a lot of it stems from the fact that they observed me handle that interview situation. So hopefully, if you do happen to encounter it, hopefully you won't, you can do the same and you can still get the residency. Taylor, thank you so much for sharing that personal experience and giving some really credible points there about what to do in that situation, because I I agree with you. I think that's that's a huge fear of students. So we want to wish all students and, of course, others trying for postgraduate training positions good luck during this interview season. If you want to continue to hear up-to-date topics from us and our guests, please like and subscribe to our channel. You can listen to us on all major podcasting streaming platforms. 